Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We've come to day 500, 500 devotionals we have done so far in our three-year journey through God's Word. And we come today to Acts chapter 18, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament, as Paul comes into the city of Corinth. Uh, not that long ago, I preached through 1st and 2nd Corinthians and preached this chapter as an introduction to those wonderful letters. So we spent a couple of years together to, uh, in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And uh, so I love this chapter. I love the, the model for ministry here, courage, uh, conviction, consistency of the Apostle Paul and Silas and Timothy and the church working together. Anyway, let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we look at this wonderful chapter together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your Holy Spirit who abides in us and with us and for your word that is from you and for us. We pray that you'd be our teacher and our guide by your spirit today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. By the way, I've got a mug I'm drinking out of today. It's kind of special. It is a mug that features the um, tile mosaic that is on the floor of the chapel that marks what we think might be the spot where Jesus fed the 5,000. So it's the chapel of the loaves and fishes. And this is a, a Byzantine era mosaic. So it's about 1,700 years old. And it shows the two fish. And if you look carefully, it shows four loaves of bread in the basket. Now we know from the Gospels that there were five loaves of bread and two fish to make seven. So why did the artist only put four in the basket? It's because Jesus standing there breaking the bread is himself the bread of life. And so he is the fifth loaf to make that a complete picture. It's an interesting um, artistic uh, piece. Anyway, I didn't get this from my most recent trip to Israel. It's actually from my first trip to Israel five and a half years ago. It was given to me as a gift from someone who was on the trip with us. But I thought it was appropriate to drink out of it this morning since I've recently returned from a second trip to Israel. Okay, Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, 
and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Kencray he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow, and they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills, and he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and they went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the churches. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. That is Acts chapter 18. It's a very important chapter in this unfolding history of the early church for a number of different reasons. First of all, we see Paul stay in one place for an extended period of time for the first time in his missionary journeys. Next time we're in Acts, in Acts 19, we'll see that Paul stays there in Ephesus for over two years, but here he stays for over a year and a half in Corinth. And we also see Paul transitioning from being a tent maker missionary to being a full-time minister of the gospel. And, and that is, uh, he's allowed to do that when Silas and Timothy come from Macedonia. Now we learn from the letter to the Philippians that when he came from Macedonia, he when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, they brought a substantial gift for Paul from the Philippian church. So the combination of having Silas and Timothy there to work alongside Priscilla and Aquila, all of whom were working, plus the, the significant gift that came from the Philippian church, this allowed Paul 
to not have to work all day and then reason uh, in the evenings, but to be fully occupied with the word, which allowed for a much more effective and fruitful ministry. So this is one of our early examples that those who are called to the ministry of the word should, if circumstances permit and everything is provided for by God's providence, should be able to focus full time on that ministry of the word. We also see a very significant Christian community established here in Corinth. Corinth was a very important city, about a little less than 50 miles west of Athens. It sat on a narrow isthmus between uh, the northern and southern region of Greece, and it was a narrow strip of land, and ships had to come in from the west or from the east, and they had to be transported across about 10 miles of land, uh, and that took a while. There was sometimes a backup, and so sailors would be there in town for sometimes weeks as they were waiting for their ships to be transported. It also became a major commercial hub because a lot of the ships would unload their cargo and it could go north into Europe. It could go south to southern Achaia. So it becomes a very, very important city and there becomes a major Christian community there. Now it's a Christian community that's going to have a lot of problems which are addressed in the letters of First and Second Corinthians, but it becomes a, a very significant Christian community. In fact, we have what appears to be two subsequent rulers of the synagogue. You have Crispus and you have Sosthenes, which could be two different people, or it could be uh, two different names uh, for the same person. But the ruler of the synagogue becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you also have a man whose house is right next door to the synagogue, Titius Justus, who's identified as a worshiper of God. That means he was a Gentile who was a God-fearer. This is not Titus, uh, who is, you know, long before the Corinthian church was founded, Titus was with Paul, but this is another believer, Titius Justus. So we have a house church, a domus ecclesia, as we call it in Latin, a house church is established right next door to the synagogue, and, and some leading and influential people uh, who end up becoming leaders within within the church. Um, it also is an important chapter because it allows us to date some of these things that are happening in the book of Acts with a, an amount of accuracy based upon corresponding historical records. And that's because in verse 12, Luke, who's recording this history, mentions that Gallio was the proconsul of Achaia. We know from Roman records that Gallio served in his role as proconsul of Achaia for just about a year from AD 51 to 52. And so that's when this confrontation with the Jews happens. And that happens a year and a half into Paul's stay at Corinth. So Paul gets to Corinth around the year 49. Uh, and then he's there until sometime in the year 51 when he leaves. And uh, so that helps us to actually, uh, he actually, um, helps us date these early events, which then helps us later date the book, the letters of first and second Corinthians, because they were written some years after he left uh, Corinth and was in Ephesus for a couple of years. And so we can date the letters of first and second Corinthians to right around 55 AD. So all of this helps us to put a chronology to some of what's happening in the book of Acts. If you think about it, it's really significant because you have Paul here in Corinth, the gospels made this much progress really within 20 years 
of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because if he's there in 49, Jesus died and rose again, probably in around the year 30 AD. So everything that's unfolded in the book of Acts from the day of Pentecost up until this time has taken place in a period of time of less than 20 years. So it gives us great confidence in the historical reliability of the testimony of the apostles as firsthand eyewitnesses. We can date them to a specific place and time, and that's very helpful to see. We see some other things here as well. Um, we are introduced to Priscilla and Aquila in this chapter, and we see how, how beneficial they are to the early church. Not only are they partners in ministry with Paul in the church in Corinth, but then they end up staying on at Ephesus. And while they're there at Ephesus, they end up training Apollos. And Apollos ends up being trained by them in a more accurate understanding of the way of God. And then Apollos is sent off back to Achaia, which is Greece. When you read Achaia in the New Testament, just think Greece, especially the southern part of Greece. And he goes back to Corinth. Is one of the places we know that he goes from 1 Corinthians. We know that's where he goes. And he ends up being able to build up the church. So the church is maturing. Paul's able to stay in places for longer. Churches are supporting other churches. It's not all coming from the church in Antioch now. You have other churches like the Philippian church who are entering into ministry partnership. You have more people who are being raised up for ministry partnership with Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila, and Titius Justus, and Sosthenes, who ends up becoming a co-author of, of Corinthians, along with Paul, um, Apollos. So God is building up his church. This is what Jesus promised to do. He said, I will build my church, and he is indeed doing that faithfully. What do we learn from Acts 18 for our lives today? Well, the centrality of teaching the word of God and focusing on the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's very much at the heart of Acts 18. Paul is reasoning from the scriptures, he's teaching the scriptures, and he's teaching Jesus. And that's what Priscilla and Aquila are doing too. When they train Apollos, they train him in the way of God more accurately so that he can reason from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ, or that the Christ is Jesus. So a focus on scripture biblically centered church life and also on Christ centered gospel centered church life is very important here and then just the importance of faithfulness of steady faithful ministry not wavering in the face of opposition not cowering or hiding or changing the message or whatever if there's opposition that arises just continuing to faithfully serve the Lord and proclaim the gospel there's not a lot of miracles and signs and wonders in this chapter. It's just the faithful ministry of the word of God, the proclamation of the gospel, and the steady growth of the church. And those are the same things that we're called to. Slowly, steadily, faithfully, God bears fruit. God raises up leaders. God builds up his church. God expands his kingdom in this world. And he is pleased to use even people like us toward that end, and we should be very encouraged in all of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be faithful to your word, faithful to your son, faithful to your gospel, and faithful to your church. You have called us by your grace. You have equipped us by your spirit. You have called us to do everything for your glory. May we do so, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Acts chapter 18. Mike's going to be back tomorrow. I think we're jumping back to Kings. So I hope you can join us for that. Have a very blessed day in the Lord.